0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head down to take on Arsenal in the capital on Saturday evening. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined as usual by John Gibson. We're coming to you on YouTube. Give this video a thumbs up, hit subscribe. And of course, on our podcast channel as well. Leave us a rating and review if you get the chance. Um, I'm going to first start by saying, John, anyone that is expecting this episode to be full of optimism, Positivity. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys that we're going to be full of joy because I am dreading Saturday against Arsenal. I am absolutely dreading it. Dan Burn up against Saka has kept me awake the next uh, the last few nights. But
1: it'll Dan awake. The last well, yes.
0: <laughs> more on that in a moment. We're going to start with. Dan Ashworth and his exit from Newcastle United. He's on the Leave. He's gonna eventually join Manchester United. We don't want to dwell on it too much because to be truthful, John, I'm getting bored of it. I'm sick of the, the constant dialogue and the constant uh, back and forth on it. Hopefully it gets resolved sooner rather than later. But I couldn't, you know, go on with this episode without asking your view on it. Is it a big blow for Newcastle that Dan Ashworth is heading to the northwest?
1: it's a it's a blow unquestionably but it's not terminal i don't see it as you know that's the end of newcastle brighton have done have hardly luck, missed a heartbeat since he left and uh, the same thing will happened with us and our two greatest signings in my opinion trippier and bruno both came before he took up the job on our behalf and we've also must always remember he doesn't all these great signings we've talked about he doesn't select the signings he gets the deals done once the selection has been made so we haven't lost the ability to unearth gems we've just lost the ability to get the best possible deal but quite frankly um if he feels the way he goes the way he obviously does then get out of town and sooner the better. And I've got to say I'm delighted that Newcastle have acted so decisively and so quickly once Dan Ashworth uh, admitted the situation on Sunday. I found it infuriating seeing him sitting there in a seat of power at the game on Saturday when we all knew what the outcome was going to be. But until it formally took place... I guess nothing could be done about it from Newcastle United's point of view.
0: And there seems to be a real sense of entitlements from certain sections of the Manchester United fan base who believe that Newcastle United are being unfair in A, demanding such a big fee for Dan Ashworth and B, having this long process uh, drawn out, garden leave where he can't work for Manchester United. And it turns out Newcastle will actually have to pay him through that period and Manchester United Come fans on. can't get their head around that either. But... Newcastle are, 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 are well um, within their right to hold on to Dan Ashworth, to stop him moving to a direct rival. And, you know, those Manchester United fans who are complaining, who are saying, let him go, let him start now, let them come on the cheap, utterly, utterly bizarre and just a, a real lack of, how, a lack of understanding of how things work.
1: Well, I mean, the whole thing is left to bad taste. First and foremost, that Newcastle United here on Sunday from dan ashworth himself that he wants to leave and and that an approach has been made so an approach was made which in a, in players terms would be illegal it would be a tapping up process we all know it happens with players we're not naive we know it happens throughout football mm-hmm. but nonetheless to hear from dan ashworth of manu being in touch before manu walked through the front door was was bound to inflame passions within saint james's park um And, you know, quite frankly, uh, what favours have man you done us? Look at the, 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 the deal they wanted for Jesse Lingard to come here on loan when they wanted us to pay a fortune to have him for a six months and knock that deal on the head. And all of a sudden we should be playing ball when it's up to us what the deal is. No, thank you. We're not going to. And I'm all for Newcastle digging the heels in here. Let him go and have the best garden outside of the Chelsea Flower Show. It doesn't matter to me and it doesn't matter Newcastle or it's not just being stubbornness. They've got to pay the huge wage during the whole of the gardening leave. So they're having to bite the bullet. It is costing them. But as a matter of pride, why should they make it easy for Manchester United and for Dan Asher, um, who, you know, is obviously a man of great loyalty when you look at the jobs he's had in football and how long he's lasted in each one of them.
0: Nice bit of sarcasm there from you, John. Um, But yes, and I guess the cost it will take to keep Dan Ashworth from Manchester United until, say, 2026, there will be a greater cost, especially in the short-term Newcastle United, if indeed they just allowed him to start his new role because he knows the players and the positions they're going to target in the summer. And where Newcastle United are, where Manchester United are, there's not too much difference, okay, in terms of spending power, potentially, yes, and in terms of maybe being able to attract the bigger name, maybe, but you know they'll probably be in the same kind of area in terms of players and positions. And so Newcastle quite rightly want to at least keep um, the summer transfer plans a little bit secret, and especially from the eyes and knowledge of a direct rival. Which is the other point, John. Actually, I'm going to finish on a, on a positive because it is quite nice to see uh, the national press and media referring to Manchester United as direct rivals of Newcastle United and that in itself shows you just how far Newcastle have come in a short space of time.
1: Sure, there's no question. Uh, It's a matter of damage limitation from Newcastle United's point of view and it's a matter of dignity and pride that you don't make it easy for the one for the guy walking out I mean, let us not be naive, and I don't think any of us are. I mean, Dan Ashworth knows that his future now is Manchester United and not Newcastle. That's a bridge well burnt. And now, while I'm not suggesting for one moment, because legally I would be at risk, that Dan Ashworth's going to spill all the um, secrets to Manchester United. Uh, about what Newcastle are going to do but there's nothing we can do about that he knows the secrets and just because he's on gardening leave he's got to come in the house to have a cup of tea after doing his lawn and who's to say he doesn't make a phone call then I mean I'm going to have to jump in there he caught. you know we're going to legally I'm not sure no, it may be so but we have also got to face facts that that situation is available and can happen in the way that Newcastle could find out what was happening from somebody coming into the job it's like it's a possibility it's if a possibility you...
0: but we have to say uh, dan ashworth played it by the book when he left brighton to come to newcastle he wasn't picking up the phone he he stuck he to the rules no he stuck to the rules he was he? he was very good in in that sense and yeah. I've got full belief that whatever Gordon Levy serves, he'll stick by it because it's essentially like signing an NDA, isn't it? You know, okay, you, you can't probably prove that someone's leaked something, but you are betting on their better nature. And, and by all accounts, Dan Ashworth seems to be someone who will stick by the rules, stick by the law. And, um, I, I, and I'd like to think he will do as well. I get what you're saying, John, but um, from the people you talk to and, 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 and his past behaviour you know he seems to be a person who will stick to the rules and, and 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 hopefully won't leak anything from um Newcastle's book of secrets um we're going to move on to the game against arsenal it comes on the back of john a, a, another draw at james's park against bournemouth probably the worst first half i've seen especially this season but it's up there with one of the worst first halves ever i think in my view um Then to go behind, to get back in it, you know, the performance wasn't there from Newcastle United. They've got all their injuries, but the draw against Bournemouth at home, not a good look, is it?
1: No, not at all. I mean, um, you know, forget temporarily that we've got injuries and we most certainly have, but the the side that you're able to put out on the field to start with ought to be able to take care of teams like Bournemouth and Luton At home And in both cases Newcastle later on Have had a come from behind To salvage just a point Not to win the game They were 4-2 down against Luton And 2-1 down against more, uh, Bournemouth In injury time And had a come from behind Just to get a point against two teams That are in the bottom mate As as indeed were Forrest Who won up here in the, uh, we managed to beat them down there It is not a good sign of a club That played Champions League football this season And has aspirations to qualify for Europe again this season If you're going to do that You take care of Bournemouth and Luton at home And we didn't So the alarm bells have got to ring there And the excuse has got to be parked to one side About the injuries Because it, while that is true The players you're left with should in theory be able to manage A bottom 8 club You know they, they shouldn't be able to manage Perhaps a top 4 club but they should be able To have, manage a bottom 8 club And they haven't been able to do that And what is frightening Is the defence Because we have In our last 4 home games Let in two, four, three, and 3 That's 12 goals In 4 games And 3 of those games we're against very average opposition in bournemouth luton and forest we accept man city but not those three and and we have been as bad as that now i'm not naive enough to think that it's just down to the back four it's the keepers involved and the midfielders are involved as they and the wingers tracking back are involved it's a whole parcel of things but the back four is awful and it is getting exposed and it is getting more so by the game and i know eddie has this great feeling and i understand it totally that he doesn't like tinkering with a back four even when he can because he likes understanding amongst his back four etc etc and so he tries to stick with the same final line but we can't at the moment it is There's a chronic lack of pace in it. We haven't got anybody that we can put in with real pace, so we're not going to solve that problem. But, for example, and I don't want to dwell on the thing because it seems like you're always having to go at one man, but, for example, the problem with Dan Byrne as a left-back, which was was there to see again against Bournemouth when their decisive second goal, he stood off because he was afraid of getting done on pace. That, for me, is beginning to affect Botman. Botman is not looking anything like the player we knew at Newcastle And hasn't since he come back from injury Whether he's been pushed back too quickly from injury And hasn't been able to pick everything up in the quickness of the game and Whether he's worried about the man that's playing outside him Who's getting exposed game after game But between the pair of them We are getting targeted down our left hand side now By ruthless clubs that, that know what they're doing And by the way as we're on that subject, on Saturday, Saka. Do you not think that uh, Arteta will be saying, get the ball to Saka and get him isolated against Burn? We cannot afford to let that happen. And the way we can stop that happening is by not picking the big man to start. We've kept bringing Livermento on, but we've always brought him on when when the damage has been done. Start with him.
0: I don't think he will do. I think he'll stick with, with Dan Byrne, I think. The only reason he might switch it is if he goes to a back five or Fabian Share isn't available to play. But even then, I think Jamal LaSalle would probably come in for Fabian Share and Dan Byrne remains out on the left. I'm like you. I'd be starting Tino Levermento. We've said it for the past few weeks. But I think the fact he's stuck with Dan Byrne, despite game after game Dan Byrne being targeted and some games he's got away with it, because you know
1: the when, did he last, when did he last get away with it he didn't get away with it against Bournemouth when the, when they scored their second he didn't get away with it 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 forced but luckily the manager acted very very quickly put Levermento to left back and put burn in an hour three and he didn't get away with it against Luton and against Luton and against Bournemouth he was hooked after mistakes it ended up in goals. So you know what I'm loyalty. I I can thoroughly understand where you're coming from, Andrew. And I think you, you could well be right that Eddie will do. But I'm not talking about for once. I'm not talking about what Eddie will do. I'm talking about what Eddie should do. Loyalty is getting to the stage of stubbornness, and by the way, it is costing us. And. Can you think of a worse guy to go up against Big Dan on, on Saturday than Saka?
0: No, a man with um, 15 goals this season, 12 assists.
1: And he's so, a winger.
0: Yeah, he frightens I me. It. Like, I say, like I said at the start of the show, it's that battle that's that, coming up that's really keeping me awake. I mean, we're talking about Newcastle conceding goals. Arsenal have scored 21 goals in five straight wins in the Premier League, you know, Palace 5 0, Forest 2 1, Liverpool 3 1, West Ham 6 0, and Burnley 5 0. Those are last all... two were away, those last
1: two were away, Andrew.
0: Yeah. And they, they, they've hit the form. The goals are coming from all over the shop. They're not just coming from one man, they're coming from several different outlets. You know, they are the informed team at the moment, you would argue. And I, I am dreading Saturday. I, I'm so, I, I would like to sit here and create a bit of positivity and say, I think they can sneak a win, they can sneak a draw. But I'll be honest, the way their defence is at the moment, it'd be interesting to see if Martin Dubravka's confidence has, has been taken hit after the mistake against Bournemouth. It shouldn't do because actually he played very well, I thought. He kept Newcastle in the game with three or four great saves. So hopefully his mind's in the right place. But just as a cohesive unit, it's not working. Like you say, John, a lack of pace. They're getting caught out time and time again. You throw an injury to Fabian cher potentially, that disrupts it even further. Then Arsenal's form in front of goal. I might not even watch the game. To be fair, <laughs> I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of it. <laughs> give me some positivity. Can you find
1: anything? Only yeah, yes, yes, yes. And it's futile because uh, I can feel the way you feel. But the only positivity I can I can give you, Andrew, is that we've played Manchester United. We've beaten Manchester United twice this season. We've beaten Aston Villa twice this season. We've beaten Arsenal 1-0. We've beaten Manchester City in the League Cup. We've beaten Paris Saint-Germain in, in the Champions League. When we play good sides, we've got the ability to lift ourselves. When we play bad sides, we get beat by Bournemouth. We get beat by Luton. We get beat by Forrest. We get beat by Everton. It's ludicrous that it's the wrong way around, but we actually do better against the good sides than we do against the bad sides. So if that's the case, you can understand what happened with Bournemouth and Luton and you can hope about Arsenal. There you are. That's the only bit of good news I can give you.
0: Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, the other boost potentially is that Joe Willick and Alexander Izak could be involved in some aspect on, on Saturday, which is much needed because... As people are well aware in the Monday show. I, I referenced the point that I actually felt Newcastle were at their most creative against Bournemouth, that they've been in weeks. You know, we've been complaining many, many games that Wilson and Isaac were not getting the service. And I did think it was there on Saturday. The ironic thing was that they just didn't have an instinctive striker to put the ball in the back of the net with some wonderful chances that were created. If Isaac John is, as we believe, he's been training. Would you start him or would you not risk it? Because we, we we always seem to come back to this scenario where a player's back and Newcastle really need him to be available to start. But you put him in the starting 11 and he's actually in a prime example, actually. He then breaks down two or three, four games later because you know maybe they've come back one, one or two games uh, too quickly. There's no option to change it. So he ends up playing 90 minutes. For me, Newcastle need him. But I'm not sure I would start him. I just think the risk, long term, is is not worth the reward that you could potentially get on Saturday against an Arsenal side who actually know how to defend as well. Because what they conceded two goals in the last
1: five games. So I mean, from my point of view, Andrew, and this might surprise you because I go the other way sometimes. I wouldn't involve him at all. I would keep him and start him at Blackburn because Blackburn is more winnable in Arsenal. I mean, if, if Isaac starts and plays for 90 minutes and doesn't uh, aggravate anything, we can still lose because Arsenal is that sort of game. Isaac's not going to turn a, a, a hammering, a potential hammering, into three points on his own by his selection. But he can turn the Blackburn game and put us in the quarterfinals. And if this season is going to be saved in any way, shape, or form, it, it's Probably not going to be through Europe. It's going to be through winning the FA Cup, getting to Wembley and win the FA Cup. So I wouldn't involve him if he is not a hundred percent on blob. Like, and how can he be? He hasn't had any short appear cameo appearances as a sub. I would leave mounted at, at Arsenal because I don't think it would make that significant a difference. It could at Blackburn. I would. St- keep them out and start them at Blackburn. I can see that logic
0: 100%. I think I would I would put both Willick and Isaac on the bench and then look to introduce them with 20 minutes. So if Newcastle was still within a chance of, of, of getting something out of the game, I'm not sure I would
1: yeah.
0: put them on the pitch just to get the minutes up with Newcastle or two or no. three down, because I'm not sure that'll do them mentally any good either. And starting on Isaac's a, a, a difficult one as well, because you imagine Newcastle not going to have much of the ball they're probably going to be camped in a little bit and it's going to be about off-the-ball movement and, you know, that'll probably frustrate him. So I'm not really sure needing him to to, to run more than he's going to have the ball is the right way to reintroduce him, you know, into the the, 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 way,
1: the way we are going to play, Andrew, is the way we'll be forced to play, which is we will be getting uh two lines of four at the back. They'll be coming at us, coming at us, and we'll have to break... With pace, using Gordon Almeron if he starts, their pace to get us up the pitch from a defensive situation. It is not going to be the normal type of game.
0: Mm, well, you talk about the, the the pace they've got, and they have got pace, even if it is Izak and Willick on the bench. You know they've got Gordon, they've got Barnes, Almeron can get on his bike as well. But how would you see the forward three working? Because on Saturday, like I mentioned, I felt the the service was there but the instinctive nature put the ball in the back of the net wasn't. Now, we're saying is either going to be on the bench or he's not going to start. So that's one solution totally gone. He's just going to have to stick with it. But would you like to see maybe one of them told stay there? Because what we saw against Bournemouth was we saw a bit of a rotation. You saw Barnes, Murphy and... Plays an orthodox
1: centre-forward. We played three centre-forwards against Bournemouth. We started off with Gordon, we played Harvey Barnes and then we played Murphy. We played three centre-forwards. And by the way, none of them are centre-forwards and none of them had a a punch at all. And they're good players. I'm not having a a go at them. They're good players, but they're good wingers. They're not good centre-forwards. But we've got to have somebody... That stays in the centre of the pitch. I mean, Arsenal are playing with Jesu injured. They're playing without a centre forward as well, but they're playing it with interflowing movement. They've got clever players. You know what it reminds me a bit of, and it reminds me a bit of because nothing's new in football. Back in the day when Newcastle United played without the centre forward voluntarily the whole time when they had Keegan, Waddle, and Beardsley. And they just intermixed and interchanged and, and pulled defenders around and they were clever. Arsenal are clever. And you know the secret? The players have got to be as good individually as the Arsenal ones are and as Waddle, Beardsley, and Keegan were. They're three. Outs- Look at the England Caps. Tot up the England caps between Waterbury, Edsley and Keegan. That tells you how good they are. They could interlock, they could change, they could make things happen. Our three, when we haven't got Wilson or we haven't got Isaac, haven't got the quality of that. And so they don't do it as well. And we don't do it as well as Arsenal. But we somehow find a way to score goals. And mm. But sometimes... You know, the two goals we got against Bournemouth were, were scruffy. They weren't well-worked goals. One was a penalty. Nobody was sure whether it was a penalty or not. And the other was dear old Matt Ritchie from three and three-quarter inches.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I could pop, pop that in the back of the net. But I, I do think it's it's fine margins because, you know, if Gordon had decided to chip uh, Neto on Saturday, Newcastle probably win that game. If Murphy... Sticks his head or hits the ball first time That wonderful lofted ball over the top From Bruno, there's another um, Goal that goes in the back of the net You had two or three, four crosses across the face Of the box, where you just needed someone To gamble, it, it, what was lacking Wasn't the chances, it was Someone putting the ball in the back of the net And if Newcastle are going to win on Saturday, it's, it's it's simple as that They need to take their chances And oh, for me
1: Because they'll get about two in an hour and a half yeah. So they've got to take them
0: and I guess um, I guess I guess the approach will be slightly different to what 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 you found against Bournemouth, where they were able to have a bit of time on the ball and they were creating chances, and maybe it plays better in Newcastle's hands in a sense where hitting them hitting Arsenal on the counter suits the likes of Gordon Barnes, Almiron better, and, and maybe you don't actually have to have that rigid centre forward to make it work, and you can just press from all over I mean, the, the that, shop
1: that's true mate but if you're going to score goals you need that rigid center forward that makes it work because he sticks the ball in the net because that is his everyday job and he knows how to do it it is not if you look at the three we play up front like against Bournemouth and the subs when they come on the first job of all those lads under normal circumstances is not to score goals It's to create Mm -hmm. goals, it's to open defence, it's up, it's to get space down the wing, it's to get the ball in the channel. Scoring comes about third on the list of each one of those players. Whereas with an orthodox centre-forward, with a Shiva or a a supermac or a Les Ferdinand, or, can we say it, Wilson, before his injury things, and Isaac, who can play. They can finish. They know how to finish and they want to finish. We haven't got a play like that at the moment. And by the way, it's only our own fault because we've played we've played with two centre forwards that are injury prone for a couple of seasons now. I mean, we're only, we only we can't complain. We, I mean, Newcastle United fans can't complain because they can say water of bought. But Newcastle are just suffering what the you know, what is source you shall reap.
0: Mm, yeah, and we, we we both said in the summer, you know, a third strike was was necessary. And it, I mean, we don't like the city and say we were right because, you know, we'd yeah. rather have been proved wrong. But I Um so. Let's go back to the, the defence because I was asked how on Monday, I was asked by a pal who's an Arsenal fan, how do you, do you see Newcastle approaching the game? And I said, a bit like you, John, what I would do is very different to what Eddie Howe will do. I wouldn't be against seeing five at the back. I don't think he'll do it, but I wouldn't be against it because I think it's, it, you can put Dan Burning as one of those defenders and he looks so much more comfortable. Tina Livermento out on the left to try and stop Saka. And actually, the Arsenal fan I was speaking to said when Livermento came on the last time against Arsenal, the time before, it must have been the last time actually, he had Saka he stopped him and he was fearing Liberman's up against Saka, which tells you all you need to
1: know potentially about what Marcel don't want to happen. But would you go five at the back? I can see a reason for doing that and I wouldn't be totally against it. And the first thing I've got to say is I think Byrne has a greater right to play the left sided centre half than left back. And and yeah. as if he was to stay in the team, he should be in the team and play either in place of Botman or in a, in a three. And I'm not suggesting he should replace Botman. What I mean is he's got more credentials to play in that situation than he has to play wide against Saka. I mean, Saka'll have the when they get back from the Champions League match, Saka'll have the prayer, matter wanting to say leave Burn in the side. What a good player Burn is, etc., etc. cetera. Et cetera. would would give Saka a game. It'll be tough, whoever plays. And of course, there's the other tactical side of it, which is fascinating. Uh, You know, we'll play three centre-halves Or we'll play two centre-halves There has been suggestions We we just need a single centre-half because uh, And we could put a shield in front of that centre-half Because they don't play with an orthodox Through the middle centre-forward With Mm -hmm. Jesu out they, they, They play Tossard in there Who is the equivalent of Gordon I mean, a wide player That is now playing in the centre He's got the feet to be able to do it And they get the pour through from midfield, the wide play. If we think we are well off and a lot of our success has been built on our wide players, uh, Gordon and Almeyron uh, when he was on his pump early in the season, cetera, being quick and work, what have they got with uh, Saka and, and Martinelli? They've got the ultimate quick, wonderful attacking wingers.
0: They certainly have and it's going to take something to stop them. I mean, if it was five at the back I mean, obviously, he's won Fabian Shear in being Bottman, but if shares out injured, it looked a pretty nasty uh, injury that he was carrying at the end of the game against Bournemouth. Then Lascelles comes in, doesn't really help with it, with the pace, but, um, you know, that, that that is what it is. It, it would then be a question of who drops out to bring in that third centre-back, and it would be one of Bruno Miley or Longstaff. And for me... It would be no question. It would be long staff that drops out because I thought Miley on Saturday against Bournemouth was absolutely excellent. He was disrupting play. He won nearly every challenge possible. And to be slotted into that defensive role is a tough task, but he seems to be handling it quite well. Um, so if they if did go five at the back, for
1: me, it would be Bruno and, and Miley sitting just in front. Yeah, I think that's fair comment. Um it's obviously not going to be Bruno and um, Miley's performance against Bournemouth certainly doesn't warrant being dropped. Um, uh, far from it. He, he was star man. Um, but I believe, and it was Supermatter mentioning it, I can't remember. I remember earlier in the season, Left being a, a top, top performance, and he was dropped the next game. I'm not certain if he played right-back or left-back. It would probably be left-back. I don't know how many times... I, I think it was right-back against Man City in the Could And Kipia played left-back. Yeah. Um, uh, and and he, had a, he had a top performance yeah, anyway, anyway yeah. and was left out the next game. But, yes, you, you you would think if you're going to go five at the back, the, the man that would go out... Because Sean hasn't looked himself for a while either, has he?
0: No. In no. fairness,
1: Sean Longstaff stepped. And
0: I mean, in all fairness, it's a bit of a relevant conversation because we go back to the old saying that it's not about what we would do; it's about what Eddie Howe will will do, and he will play, in, in my opinion, the same formation that he that he's, that he's comfortable with, and that's the four at the back, three across the middle, the two wingers, and then you know the one man up top. And and to be quite honest, other than Fabian share if he is indeed injured, I can't see him changing the. The lineup at all i think it'll be the same starting 11 that's played um you know that played against bournemouth
1: yeah well that's something to look forward to um you're right and if he has to change the back for sure that'll make him doubly not want to change burn for luvomenko because you wouldn't want to change two of the back four when he doesn't like changing the back four.
0: yeah yeah, and I mean, again, the ironic thing is, is actually you could move Dan Burn into the middle to pair Bottomman, and he would, he would probably look a lot more comfortable. And you know, he did against Villa when he went five at the back. He does look more comfortable in that centre back role. That's because he is a
1: centre back, yeah.
0: And with not an out and out number nine to face up against, you probably have an easier. Well, he definitely would have an easier time of it because he's not going up against Saka. But if shares missing, John, I think you can bet your bottom dollar it'll be Jamal Lasalle's coming in. Which... will.
1: He won't, he won't want to play two left footers In a four In Botman and Byrne He won't want yeah. to play two left footers in a four I mean when you've got Shaw He can play right side When Shaw's fit he can play right side Or when Lascelles has come in He can play left side Shaw Which is what he did when Botman was out It was Lascelles and, and Shaw No, if if Shaw doesn't play It will be Lascelles Before it will be Botman and Byrne hmm and, ben, and again, Burn would Burn would be a, forgetting what the composition of the four would be. Burn would do better at centre half than it left back at the Emirates.
0: Hmm. And again, I apologize to our listeners and viewers because this is a very down and the dumbest podcast. Uh, like I say, I'm just not feeling comfortable or optimistic about it at all. And there's a stat doing the rounds, John, which makes me feel even more. Uh, pessimistic about Saturday. I haven't checked it admittedly. I'm just going to take it at face value. But Newcastle Night haven't scored a goal at the Emirates. Since oh, for young 14 for youngs, yes. Wow, yeah. Do you know yeah. what, though? Re- records in history, there to be broken, history's there to be rewritten. They're going to get two or three on Saturday, right?
1: No, I uh, they're not. Uh, but I tell you what, if you want something optimistic on this podcast, we are going to go to Blackburn and win.
0: I'll take that. I'll take that. I mean, go, I was go
1: to Blackburn and win. I, I was speaking to um,
0: uh, a Forest podcaster ahead of the the Forest game a few few weeks back, and he was talking about how against Arsenal they lost two one, but it was the kind of the aggressive nature of their performance which really kind of rattled. Arsenal, and we know Newcastle have got that about them. Obviously, it'd be a lot easier if Joe Linton was available because he's the tank. But we know that Gordon likes a tussle. We know Bruno uh, can get stuck in. Obviously, the yellow card kind of restricts him to to the the degree that he can get get stuck in. But we know they can't handle the physical battle. Can Newcastle bring that physicality to the Emirates on Saturday?
1: They've got to. It's their only hope. They've got to go out and get in Arsenal's faces... Make it tough for them, make it niggly for it, slow it down, sit on your backside when you get a free kick, take your time over the situation, disrupt them, annoy the crowd, annoy their team. You've got to play it that way. Uh, you've got to have a physicality. If you don't have a physicality, the Red Sea will absolutely engulf you and, and you'll be drowned in the first quarter of an hour. You've got to have that to be able to survive. And yes, it can be done. And yes, on the law of averages, the other bit of optimism, apart from what I give you, Andrew, which is we're better against the good teams than we are against the poor sides. The other bit of optimism, and while I'm catching all the straws that are flying past in the wind, is that on the law of averages, Arsenal can't keep playing every game and scoring five and six and and murdering sides and doing this and doing that and showboating and killing sides without an orthodox centre forward and and Saka and Martinelli flying down the wind. There's got to be a hiccup. And when a hiccup comes, it's unexpected. That's why it's a hiccup. And they Mm -hmm. they refer back to doing what they do automatically the next game. Maybe, just maybe, this will be the hiccup. You don't know what might happen. Newcastle might get a fluke goal in the first 10 minutes. Some Arsenal player might get a red card. An Arsenal guy might score an OG. We might suddenly come out and do what we did when we went to Aston Villa. Look at when we went to Aston Villa, how well we did then. that result was as surprising. Aston Villa were flying. Aston Villa hadn't lost at home since Adrian's wall was built, and, and yet... We took them undeservedly so in that game. That might happen again. Yeah. Pink pig might fly past my window as well, of course, but it could happen again. Nothing in this world is impossible.
0: Yeah, and look, Newcastle seems to be one of those clubs that gets in the skin of Mikel Arteta as well. You know, we've seen him properly wound up against Newcastle. So
1: well, maybe Pierre, the one the one nil upier, he nearly done his nuts in, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he was it was really, really um Belly aching about the goal About everything And he will be using that To wind them up before the game of course Remember what they did to you unjustified it's in James's Park. I don't agree by the way I, I think he was a crybaby But there you go They will be using that and, and going out and saying Give them what they deserve this time But we've got to use that and say Listen they come up here with all their big names And, and, and didn't get a result Let's do it again to them
0: yeah, exactly. know, Newcastle United could rise and surprise uh, pretty much everyone, including myself, uh, and get a result. But again, it's probably a nod, on to how far they've come, that this is the first time in a wee while where I'm, I'm really not looking forward to the game. You know, we face some big sides this season and I've gone, Do you know what? Newcastle can give these guys um, a, a, a right go and can pick up a result here. This, I can't see for the life of me, where at all they get a, get a goal, let alone a point, let alone three. You take the optimist, the optimism um, from that point, and it is a kind of a nod to how far they've come because it, it's very rare we say that.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. This season has been a tapering from what we had last season. If you know, the funny thing is that what we were expecting, we as fans, but when the takeover happened. Was we're expecting last season to be like this season, and this season to be like last season. In other words, if if last season we'd been around seven and eight and it got to the quarter final of the League Cup and to the sixth round of the FA Cup, which we'll do if we beat Blackburn, if we'd had that last season, we'd have said that's good. And then finished fourth this season and got the Wembley Cup final and would have said, bye, that's progress. This is all fan double dosing. But it's happened the other way around. And so there's that feeling of slight disappointment this season. We accept that we've come an awful long way since the takeover, since Eddie Howe comes, since we signed Trippier and Bruno, since Trippier was playing against Cambridge up here in the FA Cup and getting beaten at home with Eddie Howe, manager, and when were you signing. Haven't we come a long way since then? But we can't live on saying oh, it's all down to injuries, and haven't we come a long way? Because that begins to wear a bit thin. It's a shame. If, if these seasons had been flipped, the, the whole place would be bubbling. If this had been last season and we were now on our way to a League Cup final, and fourth in the league would say, bye, this is absolutely... Terrific. That is why Tuesday night is so important. That can take a slightly disappointing season and make it into something wow. Not if we get beaten a the sixth round, but to get the sixth round keeps the hope alive that we can do something in the FA Cup. And if we do, that would change everything.
0: Hmm. And it's understandable why, why you're kind of maybe focusing on, on, on Tuesday, but it's important, isn't it, very hard when the players that their main focus is Saturday and they don't let Tuesday become a distraction?
1: Oh, yes, yes, of course. And I don't think it does become a, a distraction because, hey, you can't get distracted when you're playing Arsenal for an hour and a half. Uh, I don't. I think that concentrates mine straight away. Um, I don't think Byrne or, or Botman on their current form will be concerned about Blackburn. I think they'll be thinking about Saka and... Uh, Martinelli and Ostengard And uh, and, uh, Toshard And uh, everybody else Uh, Arsenal will concentrate the minds Nobody will let the mind drift to Blackburn They'll be absolutely terrified That if we don't get this right We can be in trouble If we get it right We can well maybe, maybe produce a shock But if we get it wrong We could be humiliated And we do not intend to get it wrong That's the way they've got to think
0: Mm. Well, as you always say, John, you've always got a chance in a two-horse race. Uh, before I get your score prediction, just a okay. quick word on the fact: it's another eight PM kickoff on a Saturday, which means there's no hope of of fans getting public transport. back. they're going to have to stop over in the capital. They weren't given too much notice about the the, the the change as well. It's not on, is it at all? We've seen it as well. Um, coming up next month with the Chelsea game, it, it's it's an absolute disgrace. It's not just a Newcastle United thing. It's a It's across the board. Yeah. You know, fair play to those going down. The commitment's never in doubt. But I feel so sorry for those who who are doing it because, you know, massive expense, massive inconvenience. The Premier League, the TV companies, they need to change their ways. They need to start putting fans first, don't they?
1: Yeah, and and the only way the Premier League can do it is by telling the, the, the television companies that they can't decide... We're going to play twelve midnight on the moon on a Sunday, and, they, and that's the way it is. They've got to be given more restriction. Of course, less money comes in from the television clubs, in so the Premier League don't want to do it. So what happens is that a game that was devised as a spectator sport and has become the greatest spectator sport in the world is no longer about spectators. It, it, it is you know, the last people that are considered are the fans. It is now just about how much money Can we squeeze out of this lemon And um, they do that Uh, This game Is the great game it is Not only because kids dream of Playing it but because adults Of my age Are still in love and want to go to every Game they can possibly go to Because it, it, it is such a huge Part of their life They aren't even considered now It doesn't matter um, and it's not just to Newcastle United, it's to every fan in the country that cares enough to travel to London, but this country is to support that team. They're asking Newcastle United, with the potential of being hammered, by the way, I, potential, I said, I didn't say it would happen but the potential of it to travel all the way down to to Arsenal at that time of night on a Saturday, have to book into some hotel or sleep on a park bench or something before they come home on a Sunday and then get up and go to Blackburn for the cup. I mean, you know, there is no consideration, but yet that's the way it is and nobody's going to change it. You know why? Because pounds matter more than punters.
0: Mm. Pounds instead of punters. And yet, Newcastle United fans continue to sell out every away allocation. Fantastic support and safe travel to anyone heading down there. Absolutely. To on Tuesday. Come on, then, John. How is Saturday going to go? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I
1: said a couple of years back when we first started doing these things, Andrew, that uh, let's be really. A couple of years back, John. It, it, it seems like a lifetime ago. Well, it probably is a lifetime ago, but um, I don't like talking about that at the moment at my age. I, uh, but there we are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we used, to, I, we used to say, let's just say win, lose or draw, because if, if you try to do a score, it's like confetti in the wind, isn't it? The score can be absolutely anything. Um, and quite frankly, the score can be absolutely anything this weekend in particular. Uh, I think, sadly, but uh, I think we'll lose. Um and, and so do you, and so do an awful lot of Newcastle United fans. Um, it's just, I would like to think, and I can see it happening, that we'll lose with dignity and we'll lose by a goal. 2-1, 1-0, it might be 3-1, but let it not be more than that.
0: Can you lose yeah. by, a, by a big amount and still show dignity? Because I've have, I have no doubt that the players will put their all in, they'll be committed, they'll put their effort in, they'll try and anyhow we'll try and win this game. But I can also see Arsenal scoring four or five, I'm being brutally honest. Maybe I've just woken up on the wrong side of bed this morning, I don't know.
1: No, no. I mean, hey, listen, if, if Luton can score four against Newcastle at Newcastle, if Nottingham Forest can score three against Newcastle at Newcastle, then Arsenal, who are twice as the side they are, can run up a cricket score in theory. And yes, it is not a game like you that I'm looking forward to at all. Uh, what I would like to see happen, if we're going to be faced by the defeat I think we are going to be faced by, is that it's something like 2-1, and then we go down to Blackburn very quickly afterwards and win. Because that's a winnable game. That's got to be won on the night. There's no replay. And it can keep our dream alive While some more players may come back Etc, etc So I'm taking the defeat I'm hoping it's going to be 3-1 maximum 2-1 If it happens And it's not inevitable But I expect it But I also expect us to win at Blackburn Now how? Whether it's penalties Almost doesn't matter at Blackburn but i'm expecting us to win and that i think the greater danger in the greater disappointment would come at blackburn if we get at blackburn that's a bigger disappointment andrew than if we get peter awesome mm.
0: well I, no, I i agree i agree um and sadly i agree with your prediction for saturday as well newcastle i just they're just going to get beat. I'm sorry. That's the only result I can see happening. Hopefully, we both proved and John, and hopefully Newcastle I can rise to the occasion and surprise at least us two. And that here's might be. Here's a, a bit up. of a.
1: Here's a bit of fun, Andrew. Just before you go, I would like to say, one, because you do it to me often. I would like to do it to you. I'll give you a choice. You can win at Arsenal, or you can win at Blackburn, but you can't win it both. Which do you take?
0: Oh, I don't like doing that because I don't like writing off a. Uh, a game but yeah well we with
1: enough arsenal already but which would yeah, you take it, but, but they're still going to try no
0: I, it's blackburn isn't it of course yeah, it's blackburn. absolutely want the progression in the and, club.
1: and i'm actually asking that to give us hope because if we lose it arsenal it's not all doom and gloom because we can win at blackburn
0: yeah yeah but fingers crossed to go into the game against blackburn on a, the back of a, a surprising but wonderful victory against arsenal this has been the Everything's Black and White podcast, the match preview with me, Andrew Musgrove and John Gibson. Please hit like, subscribe, follow, leave us a rate and review from wherever you're getting your podcast from. Head over to ConnachtLive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle news, and for myself and John, we'll see you guys very soon.